baby. Welcome to the Real Wolf Record Club. I am your host, Joe, and with me, as always, has been from the Real Wolf Record Club panel. We've got a special treat for you today. Real Wolf Record Club listeners, we are talking about one of the all-time great hip-hop albums. Uh, One of the all-time great rap records from New York City in the early 90s. And if, if that's conjuring bassy, gritty sound like it was composed in someone's basement, this album, I think, at times was quite literally composed in someone's grandmother's basement. Uh, it's an album that went gold and then platinum in a span of like two years, which I don't even know if that means anything anymore, but it seems like a big freaking deal. It sounds like a billion albums in two years. Um, it's It's been, in retrospect, such an influential record that people are looking back and saying it was the pioneering album of alternative hip-hop, whatever the hell that means. Uh, it's a record that featured a frequency shift of sorts. And listeners, when you hear who our guest is, I'll see if you can figure that Easter egg out. Uh, in that it captured the improv jazzy feel of earlier records by the group while still finding ways to innovate in sampling, production, and interplay between the group's MCs. We are, of course, talking about the classic record from a tribe called Quest, Midnight Marauders. With that, uh, Ben, do you remember TV like crossovers? Back in the nineties, TV crossovers. <laughs> yeah, are we talking? Are we talking about like when TGIF had like Family Matters and step by step exa- crossovers? That's literally the example I was going to go with. This when, <laughs> when Steve Urkel saves Stephanie from the horror of wearing glasses. Like, yes. If you if you asked that to somebody today, if you said, "Hey, you remember TV crossovers?" Most people would be like, "I don't watch TV." But I mean that. Think of like how awkward and awesome and such a narrow time that was that that was a thing. And then imagine that we're doing that very thing on our show today. (laughs) We are bringing on our own colleagues from another podcast. We've got our very own crossover going on. We talk music. They talk beer. They talk a lot of stuff. Uh, But and frankly, it's a long time coming that we have them on our show because we're big fans. Uh, and as you may or may not guess, we are usually drinking some carbonated alcoholic beverage while we're here with you. Maybe you are too, listener. Um, we've got the hosts, the cast, the members of one of the coolest podcasts in the podcasting game out there. Um, by the way, um, I'll ask this later, but I'm curious to know how many times people ask you, how's the pod? Cause apparently that's a phrase. I think that that's what people call it. Not a show, not a podcast, not a, whatever they call it a pod which is so middle class millennial um anyways three beer and service industry vets who get together to talk beer culture and music and just about everything else in between individually they are anthony jennings greg davenport and philip owens but collectively they are the black brewers podcast guys welcome to the real wolf record club how you guys doing tonight yeah we appreciate you for inviting us on the show i'm doing great doing good doing good man Excited uh, to be here. Excited to be here. Yeah, I mean, so it's it's kind of that old question, you know, when you have something that's, 
I don't want to say it's a novel idea, but it kind of is in the beer industry. Some one of you guys had a quote I saw about the typical, <laughs> typical craft brewers. What thirty five white dude beard and hat? Yeah, yeah, sounds about right. <laughs> so you got this mm. show. I mean, how does it get? Does it just stem <laughs> from that idea of feeling like okay, it's so same everywhere. Let's do something different. Or how did the show come about? How did you guys get started? I would say. Uh, we all just had a love for the business um, and we met up and like the first day I already knew Phil, the first day I met Greg, we talked about a podcast and it just kind of flew from there. I don't know if anyone of you want to give any more insight into it. Um, on my end, it really came from uh, Greg's girlfriend, Vicky, just telling us that um, we should just do a show, something like Beasts and Miro where we just kind of spitting off the cuff about certain things that are going on in the world around us. And then we were kind of talking about, we were talking about that while we were at Arbiter and Anthony happened to be be there that day. I don't know if he was working there that day, but he happened to be there that day. Anywho, it was a hot muggy day in August and no, it was hot muggy day in July or so. And we happened to, no, it was, I think it was Memorial weekend actually. I digress. Anyways, we ended up all three of us meeting and then that got brought up again. And then Anthony was like, yo, what's good? And then we was like, hey. And then we was like, hey. And then we was like, hey. And then yeah, it just kind of, we figured it out from there. And then, you know, we sat down, configured some things and got it together. And we we put some thought and some time in. And then we produced the product that you see today. And we only hope to continue to bring a more polished and refined uh, piece of art for you to view from us as time goes on. That's, that's at least in my angle. Yeah, I mean, it was all pretty organic. Um, I had not, I had not known Anthony prior to uh, meeting him at Arbiter, um, but that was through the BCC, and uh, Phil made the connection there. And, um, yeah, after that, we kind of just pretty organically sat down. We decided that we didn't want to just jump right into it, and so we kind of hung out with each other um, mm -hmm. for, what, like four or five months, six, six months, something like that? four or five months and um just kind of met up had beers every you know here and there and stuff like that and uh kind of just built a little bit of a rapport with each other and then we decided that we were going to start actually um filming mm -hmm. so yeah and what is it about i mean it's it's i think it, it's such a unique like you said you guys have talked about creating a different space a different space to talk about beer to think about beer um, based on people who, you know, as you indicated, or as, as I quoted you, um, aren't always represented in a, a very white industry. I mean, what, what is it about the show that you think resonates or that you're trying to make resonate with not just, you know, people of color, but beer drinkers or fans, people who like to hear good people talking about a wide variety of topics. What are you trying to do with it? I'd say, uh, we just, we just want to open people's eyes and ears to different things, not just beer. The culture, mm -hmm. music, mental health, other things, and just put it, put it, just you know, have our voices and be authentic. In all honesty, we're just being us, being authentic, talking about the things we love, and we keep it moving. What inadvertently happens when uh, you see us come together in this under this guy under mm, the perspective of Black Brewers podcast, it just shows that black people. It, this inadvertently happens. This happens just naturally. You kind of figure out, you know, like when you step into the sun, you figure out it's also hot. It also warms you. And if you channel it in with, through the right scope, it can cook stuff. So with us being here, just being us, it shows that Black people are nuanced. We 
or not what you see on TV. I've grown up, I was plagued with that. You know, they didn't, mm-hmm. I wasn't what was seen on TV. I had both parents in the household. They, they, mm-hmm. it was love. I was raised different. I spoke different. Um, I was, but I was me in the end. And I, I, I like different things than most uh, people of color like, than black people like. And so I just didn't fall in a stereotype. You couldn't put me in a box. People still can't figure me out to this day. I, it happens all the time. So just, just coming, us coming together and broadcasting through the internet airwaves, our, our, what, our lifestyles, how we choose to live and our perspectives of the world around us and how we choose to react and what, you know, what our views are from our angle. Um, when all three of us are three shades black, three different black men with, who come from three different walks of life, because each one of these dudes, especially Anthony Gray, got quite unique stories growing up. Uh, very fascinating. So you just put our our angles together, and you get a nice prism that spouts out a rainbow, something like a pink Dude, Floyd. Dude, that's that's the ultimate cover. tee up. Hey, Anthony and Greg, you better you better tell us your story now. Oh man! <laughs> Listen to these two. I'm gonna hand it off to my friends. Please, please tell us your interesting story. Yeah, I mean, but really, where are you guys? Where did you grow up? I mean, obviously, you got together through beer. You got together through you know more recent in your life. But are you guys from the Twin Cities, or where are you guys from? Um, I am originally born in Detroit, Michigan. Um, I consider Minneapolis and you know Minnesota to be my home because I've spent majority of my life here. But I've also spent some time in Brooklyn, New York. Mm. Um, lived out there for a couple on and off summers um chicago went to college out there and i lived out there for about eight years and so a little bit well traveled i moved a lot in the uh twin cities area i've lived pretty much everywhere you can think of mm. um and uh yeah yeah um, did you fi- did you figure out that you wanted to do something with beer whether it be podcasting or working in the industry i mean how did that come about um, for me specifically, um, I was working at Certix liquor store in uh, mm-hmm. Northeast Minneapolis, it's a pretty well-known liquor store. Um, and I was the beer department manager. Mm-hmm. And so I'd see these guys coming in and I was always a fan of craft beer. Um, and I would always go to different breweries, check, check stuff out. Um, but then one day I saw Ramsey Louder working at Dangerous Man and he was the first, uh, black person that I'd ever seen working at a brewery in Minnesota. Mm. And um, it just like clicked for me. And I was like, I want to work at a brewery. I've got enough experience at the liquor store. I know what I'm talking about when it comes to beer. Um, But yeah, I just decided to make the change. And then that's, that's all it really worked or how it really worked for me in the beer industry. Mm. Anthony, what about you? How did you come find yourself here? Uh, my mom moved me here in 1987. I'm, I'm a little bit older than these gentlemen here. I'm the old school, so I've <laughs> <laughs> uh, been around the rotation, on the earth, the rotation a lot. But uh, we came here, man, in '87. My mom wanted to find a new life. Mm-hmm. Uh, been here off and on since. You know, grew up Northside. Uh, went to high school, grade school here, some college here. Uh, and then craft beer, how I got into the industry, uh, a friend of mine, uh, I worked. At, I was working at this place called Breaking Bread Cafe. I was a front house manager, uh, assistant general manager. And they had these classes they would send all the leadership to. Mm. I was taking this intentionality class. And I remember writing in my intention journal, I want, and this is without knowing people of, of color in brewing, without going to a tap room, even though I've been in craft beer for years at this point, I wrote, I want to open the first black brew pub in Minneapolis, you know, and from 
that class, one of the people in the class was like, hey, I know these people, uh, Nazreen, Ramsey, and L. They literally just started this uh, group Brewing Change like two months ago. So I went, first time I met Phil and a bunch of people there was at a collaboration brew at Inbound. And after three days, they offered me a job. And mm. That's how I got started in, in this in this industry. What's let, let's talk let's talk beer because uh, that is kind of a thing about your show. Uh, but I mean, you, you guys come from such different perspectives and different areas and different viewpoints on it, and it never never ceases to amaze me at the wide variety of uh, quality ideas creativeness what uh, we had we had um the guys from 612 brew on in season one i think long time ago right mm-hmm. ben audit and robert i believe uh they talked about uh dr dre record i believe anyways uh they were talking about we were talking about what what makes the twin cities um you know for all its warts and all the goods and bads that it has but it has something going as far as as brewery culture and the ability to innovate and do things, what's something that you guys see as, as unique or special about, you know, whether it be this brew or excuse me, brewery scene or somewhere else that you've worked in, what's something unique or important or or cool that you think about when you think about the twin cities? The immediate thing that comes to my mind is coming from the retail world. Everybody's in competition with each other. Mm -hmm. One thing I noticed in this industry is, you are in competition, but we don't want to shit on each other. We want to help each other. You see a lot of collaboration brews. You see people reaching out, whether it be Facebook groups, hey, I, I need this for my brewery. I don't have this. So the, the the willingness to work together to strengthen the whole industry yeah. is the biggest thing for me personally that I see. Mm. Me, um, coming from before I got into the beer industry, I was in the restaurant and service industry um for a good while um i think what what i noticed is it's almost it's it's almost an extension of that it's like it's it's anti it's just where you attract all the the salt of the earth cats the the unique individuals the uh uh just the, the folks that wouldn't fit into a corporate world or wouldn't want to even if they could uh that's you know that's why i'm still here man i ain't never putting no button up on in my life unless it was to uh, go serve tables and get a quick mm. buck in two hours, four hour shifts, you know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's all of us like, you know, we tend to share a similarity, almost like we're billions of society, if you could even do so, you know? And then, then that's why I think the beer industry as Anthony was speaking on is rising tides raises all boats. Instead of, uh, you're wearing a competitor shirt. It's like, nah, fam, we, we actually about to be over there and <laughs> cooking up something real delicious Who, whose voice uh, were you channeling you know I mean? there uh uh terry, <laughs> the, terry from, from the rival brew company across town <laughs> yeah. he, he, this, this thing terry don't even work in industry he just works for some electric company yeah and he, that's exactly how he would treat his competition so <laughs> yeah. hey you're wearing a competitor's shirt i'm like yeah well they i like their gear so right now there's some some electrician guy driving around his truck slamming down turning off his stream that's <laughs> enough of this show trashing us cancel banquet <laughs> yeah i mean i agree with both phil and anthony um the community aspect of things is just awesome to see um, I'm also coming from like a more retail background where it's, you know, a little bit more competitive. Um, but in brewing, like for instance, I wore this hat. This is an Arbiter hat. I wore this to work today. Going back to what Phil was saying, like, I love this hat. 
and nobody at Dangerous Man has ever been like, hey, you're wearing Arbiter's hat or something like that. Right. So um, I do I do appreciate it's more of like a teamwork thing. Um, you know, there's some co- competition here and there, but it's more of like friendly competition yeah. as opposed to cutthroat competition. We don't want Goku and Vegeta to... as opposed to um, uh, Rocky and, you know, Mr. Buster. Drago. Hollow. Drago. Thank you. Drago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's Goku Vegeta versus Drago. You know what I mean? So he actually killed it. Apollo Creed, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. That's, that's, why Creed, like, Yo. that's why Creed over here walking around, getting mad, getting called. They were supposed to, to stop the fight. Rock should have stopped the fight. Damn, your friend said don't stop the fight. Don't so hold on. I, 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 that was Rocky 2. Right? No, Rock, that was one, right? That was three. three yeah, okay. I was going to say it's not one because one is Rocky well, versus Apollo. Yep. Two, two is uh, when, when he finally wins the championship. Okay. Yeah, he really is the Russian. And, and two had Mr. T in it. And I yeah, see, you remember how Kogan was in number one. See, my mom took Ooh. us to see. This is my uh, age showing. Well, <laughs> and I, we might be the same age. I don't know. Uh, I was probably eight years old when we went to the Anoka Theater in the suburbs. It used to be a one off theater. I know you're talking about. It was a Rocky. I'm pretty sure it was the third one, but I wouldn't have been eight years old then. But I mean, that's a heavy thing to lay on a kid's brain. Like yeah. Apollo Creed is dead. Yeah. <laughs> they killed him on scene. And yeah. I'm just sitting there in the ring. The, the can of pop and the chips that we snuck in. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. I guess he's dead. <laughs> what was the worst part for me of that was James Brown introduction, living in America, and then he died. Why <laughs> you died? It's fitting. it's fitting. I'm unsurprised. Oh. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's a that's a tough that's a tough one. But I, it's not that is what I'm hearing in the brewery scene. No one's killing Apollo Creed no. in the brewery scene. Yeah. What, <laughs> Honestly, I, any any brewery I've heard about that has those intentions, they, they, they ain't around no more. They're not exactly. around. Exactly. They're not around no more. Very true. I'll say that. I'll say that. So what is? I think it's yeah. I mean, you guys are working in the industry. You're doing you're doing kind of like a. I don't want to say offshoot because it, but it's just like a parallel track. Like you're you're working in the industry, but you're also talking about the industry, but you're talking about a lot more. Where do you guys see individually, personally, what you want to do, your hopes, your dreams, your desires? What do you want to do with this? Where do you see yourself ending up? Is it owning a, a business separately? Is it a media company, an empire? Is it is it empire building? I just asked that. Um, what where's the what's the end goal for you guys? What do you where do you see yourselves going with this? World domination. <laughs> oh no, to, 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 to throw him a pace. Can I answer this? Can I answer this? Where well, Alvin's yeah. at? Can I answer this? Can I answer this? <laughs> total, like he just said, total domination. <laughs> uh, but no, like I, I'm I'm in the process of starting my online cleaning business. I'm, I know with these bro, with my brothers here, I definitely want to take over multimedia shit. Like, like definitely, like be one of the top podcasting yeah. uh, uh, stations or whatever you want to call it out there. So that's definitely uh, something I personally would like to see for myself and for my brothers. Um, I, I know from uh, on this side, yeah, we, you know, we just want to continue with this and just continue to. Uh, flesh it out, you know, open up more avenues, continue to uh, gain the traction to be able to express our creativity in a more uh, unhindered manner. So I'm I'm seeing top gear of beer type situations going on. I want to be like 
uh, uh, Richard Hammond walking through the breweries, and then like I'm walking through, and then there's like a little graphic of the uh, 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 mash tun being broken down and disassembled. I'm breaking down each part and what it does and why it's unique as opposed to the other guy's mash tun, or like it's me in a uh, 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 test driving out the brewing process at this brewery. Like, how you they are, they only have this is your version. <laughs> this is your version of Dave Chappelle talking about how wanting to walk through the club and make himself in slow-mo look really cool. That's you. You're doing that right now. <laughs> uh, hey, real talk, man. Face. Oh, I step on with the goofy man gators. doing the robot. <laughs> um, yeah, man. Real talk. I think that'd be beautiful. I would yeah. love to travel around the world and the country and then the world just seeing and showcasing uh, uh, the intricacies, beauties, and differences between brew systems, like from like the biggest abbeys overseas to yeah. the small little jerk that's that's off in the corner that's pumping out fire beer. But they they get it done with 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 the tanks stacked on each other, and they have to do scaffolding and stuff yeah. like that. There's, there's, you could fit a brewery in in many different spaces with many different sizes, and they all produce and have the potential to produce very good, different and unique beers. So it's it's really cool. It's you know just showcasing the yeah, I, I would. I, that's yeah. I would really love to do that. There's yeah. a there's a show on Vice, uh, pizza show. There's two yeah. seasons. That show's Fra dope. Yeah, Frank Pinello. He's got his I own. Know what you're talking about. Yeah, but that's all he does is he goes out and talks to people <laughs> who make pizza, and it was like the most compelling. I'm like, I love pizza, and I'm gonna sit and watch. I mean, it was fabulous. It's kind of that that vibe for sure. But uh, Greg, what about you? Where do you where do you see yourself? What do you want to do with it? Um, I mean, right in line with what these two just said but um to add on to that i would also like to create um a space where people that want to do this after us like younger folks coming up uh people that are interested in multimedia interested in beer stuff like that where we can help facilitate and help people get on the path to do what we're doing um and potentially make it better um but if we ever you know got to the place where we're able to travel and this was just like a full <clears throat> excuse me if this is just like a full-time job situation then yeah eventually i would definitely love to have like a space or some sort of studio or something that we could open our doors similar to how the dabber depot did for us and how other people yeah. have helped us along the way we can kind of extend that hand backwards and lift some people bring some people with us yeah it's it's such an exciting time when it you know <laughs> us for our own show you know ben and i have been friends for a long time and we just during the pandemic, no one's doing anything. I remember 2020 seems like 15 years ago. And it was like, <laughs> what is even going on? And who knows? And it was like late that year, we sat down. We just were texting like, we should just get on Zoom right now and just talk about music and have a beer. And it kind of grew into that. And it turns into this way that it doesn't need to, you don't need to have the tools. You don't need to have literally the space, like physical space, although that helps. Um to take an idea and turn it into something that can grow and be and do because people want to help. People want to collaborate. People want to connect and people are willing to give shit away to like, yeah, you can do it. Come use this space for a while. And they want to do it. And I think it's such an exciting time to hear you guys talk about it too. The idea of looking backwards while also looking forward to try to figure out what makes this sustainable, what makes this unique, what makes it fulfilling. Cause man, if it ain't fulfilling, physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, it, it won't last. And yeah, I think that's, that's really, uh, really interesting. I think um, it's funny you say that, uh, how if you just put your energy out there and try, uh, what you receive back is pretty much surprise you. My dad would always tell me that growing up, man, like, Hey man, you know, man, you just, 
I was always, you know, like, well, what if I, you know, but they're like, nah, man, if you just give it a try and you keep going and people will see what you're doing and that you're really putting solid effort and they'll want to help you. But you, you ain't going, you can't make none of that happen if you don't put effort into, you don't send that, that, that those vibrations out to receive back what you put in. And it's funny that you said, you said that you were saying it's pretty much the same shit my dad would tell me all the time as a kid. And then now we're doing it here and mm-hmm. we're on the same show with you. You know what I mean? We wouldn't have been yeah. here without putting stuff forth something. So I, I definitely feel like we manifested this mm-hmm. uh, podcast. I remember, you know, when I first met Bill, you know, the next time I met him was at a BCC meeting. The first thing I said at that meeting was we should do a beer podcast. Never forgot it. I said that. And he was on it, bro. He was super like, we need to do a beer podcast now. But, yeah. But, I, I did podcasting oh, back in 2013 on Blog Talk Radio for two years. Me and my, my guys local here. So it was always a love and wanted to come back to it. Mm-hmm. And this allowed me that chance. And then meeting y'all to come back to it and do it better than I did before. And yeah. Oh, again, it's the <clears throat> there's a whole theory of mental health stuff that talks about living in line with your values. And I hate when it gets described that way because it's like, I don't, I don't always know what my values are in a given circumstance. How do I know that? But you intuitively know it. And if you know, if you meet people, if you connect with them, I mean, Ben and I (laughs) just like bouncing off talking about music and we have different panelists that come on too. And just, it's like an innate connection that, you know, you're like, all right, this is in line with something I care about and something that's important and following it, putting that energy out and hoping it comes back tenfold. It's not really that even, even that complicated to do, but it is, it does take, it does take a risk. It does take putting your neck out a little bit. Um, what's the max age what, or what's the minimum age before your parents tell you something and you actually don't say, Oh, come on, dad, whatever. <laughs> like when it hits you, how old do you have to be? Because I, I know what you mean. Somebody says something. You're like, yeah, you were right. It's true. Yeah. <laughs> what is it? 25. Is that it? That I think be, it depends on how early they were telling there. it to you. So if they were telling you some shit at like eight or nine, it depends <laughs> on what it is. Then, yeah. then maybe like in your earlier twenties, when you figure it out, but I think that you know when you're 16, you ain't you ain't none of that shit hitting to you like damn near 30. <laughs> right. Like you ain't none of it is really decoding itself to you till you're almost 30. So uh, that's that's at least for me. This is funny because I have two boys, they're 22 and 19. <laughs> and I'm waiting for that day. <laughs> waiting. <laughs> one one finally, actually, two weeks ago, I told my guys about it. And he came over and he was like, Dad, you're right. It's hard out here because he was living with me not too long ago. He was like, you was right about renting, budgeting. So I got the one thing, you know, <laughs> I'm still waiting for the rest of it to come around, though. So I hopefully 25. Yeah. I hope you'll be waiting years, Anthony. Just be patient, my guy. I used oh, to okay. I used to professionally advise 25. We call it the red Corvette clause in estate planning. Like when, oh, when, do you th- when do you think your kid wouldn't go out and buy a red Corvette you know, when, when he gets the money? And uh, oh, my youngest 25 was a consensus answer. My youngest will be 30 because he's a little slower on the uptake with some things. Yeah. <laughs> just, just my oldest, my oldest, he get it. He gets, he gets a lot of things now at 22. I got a, I got a three-year-old, uh, two and a half-year-old. We pulled up today and she always takes her shoes and socks off in the car. And she sees the neighbor kids when I pull up and I'm talking to her and I'm like, you want to go run over there? And now you see why we leave the shoes on. And my wife's like, I don't think she's listening to your lesson. 
<laughs> I was like the John Wooden. I'm the John Wooden of parenting. I'm always teaching, always coaching. And just, she didn't hear it. She ran barefoot. So yeah. Uh no, I love that. I love that's kind of it. Put it out there. Put vibes out there. You will meet people that you connect with. You will meet important people and good things will happen. Doesn't mean it's gonna happen right away, but it will happen. Um all right. Where can where can people who want to check you guys out? I always ask someone ask it about six times throughout the show, so they do check you out. But Black Brewers Podcast, it's on site public media, but it's also on Spotify. I know that. Yep. Right. Spotify, YouTube. Um, those are the two main uh platforms that we're on right now. Um mm-hmm. soon we can be expected to be found on like Apple and um iHeartRadio, we're trying to do stuff like that as well. So but uh, for now, just Spotify and um and YouTube. Yeah, definitely check it out. It's it's I listen to the shows, the episodes, and I can't wait until you guys get people low in theory. Uh I got I got Anthony, my man, holding up a different tribe record up. Um I what I love is listening to it, especially as it came out, as we come out of the pandemic, hopefully. And there's this real live human being feel to it. You guys are out at, you know, a pride event. You guys are out uh, different places. You're at Modest. You're at all these breweries. And it's like life is happening. The world is spinning. And these guys are there for it. So definitely, definitely check out the Black Brewers podcast on YouTube where you can see their lovely faces or on Spotify like us where you don't have to see their lo- lovely faces. <laughs> uh, I think... I think it's time for our favorite part of the interview. It is called Ched Talk here on the Real Wolf Record Club. Are you guys ready for Ched Talk here on the Real Wolf Record Club? Let's do it. All right. Let's do it. First question here on Ched Talk. According to the automated voice on Midnight Marauders, which, by the way, if you look that up, that is a person named Laurel Dan, who was the secretary of Jive Records at the time. I knew who that was. <laughs> Seven out of ten times we listen to our music at night. Seven out of ten times you drink your beer while doing what? Oof. Um, for me, seven out of ten times I drink my beer while working on something. Mm. <laughs> whether it's mm-hmm. typing whether it's like actual work um because generally speaking when i get home i don't you know i'm either just relaxing or you know there's other things million other things yeah. to do as well so there's always something it's work for me man i'm at work seven out of ten times beer is in my mouth i am at work i'm at work <laughs> anthony mine, what about you mine is at work or cooking yeah yeah cooking yeah, and you got to watch that too, because aforementioned daughter, she sees dad cooking with a beer, and she's like, "Dad, is that a beer?" <laughs> yeah, you do see that a lot, don't you? I'm sorry, honey. Uh, yeah, dad's gonna drink water. He'll drink more water. <laughs> you know what I think you should try, man? Maybe you should look into being like next time she asks you, "Is it a beer?" You say, "This is a beverage mixed with grains, hot water, yeast, and sugar, uh, and it's actually a chemistry uh, compilation." You just go on like that. See what she does. John Wooden. She'll stop listening. Always coaching. Always coaching. You know, you ain't lying. 
I'm not lying, but I will say, you know, every kid's special in their own way. Um, and mine's no more special than anyone else, but my daughter doesn't miss a beat. She would yeah. be like, Dad, is this the chemistry process? She'll repeat it back to me. I'm like, why did I listen to Phil? This didn't work. Especially at that age, they are sponges. They they can yeah. hear you say a whole sentence and repeat it verbatim quick as hell. And then it comes out somewhere else inappropriately. Yeah. 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 Uh, next question on Chat Talk, Ben. Take it away. Beer is declared the national beverage, thus becoming a protected beverage that can no longer be consumed legally. What's the last beer you drink before the law goes into effect? They wouldn't outlaw it. I would got. They? It's I got like a bald one. eagle. You can't. You can't. You can't eat you can't a bald eagle. The, you can't True. touch the feathers of the eagle because it's right. the national bird. Right. right. Um, it's a national um, beverage. Undrinkable. Last one. until the law goes into effect. I'm going to uh, be one of those clandestine rule breakers, man. Fuck that law. I'm breaking the hell out yeah, that I mean, law. They tried it before. The prohibition, yeah, they did. They they all sorts of areas. They did, man. <laughs> I would just get creative. Don't make me get creative. That's why I was thinking, man. Don't hey, do man, that. I, I got tons of equipment here, so I'm making my own beer. The last yeah, beer that I would have that, bro. would be, uh, they don't even make this anymore. And I was just talking to one of the guys over at Castle Danger, uh, basically begging them to make this beer again, but they have a beer in the winter called their George Hunter Stout. Um, but a few years ago, they used to barrel age it in whiskey barrels, and it was called mm. Gentleman George. Yeah. Uh, they don't make it anymore, but that would probably be the last one that I would that I would have. Uh... For me, I would go back to what got me started in craft beer. Sam's, I think it's Sam Smith's Nut Brown Ale. Yep. That's, that's what got me started in this business mm. and treating craft. And so I would... Find a bunch of those and hoard the shit out of them and buy them. <laughs> that would be my last beer. Phil, you sticking with the fuck that, not doing While it. I was doing my um, uh, uh, clandestine uh, motions and just still, you know, drinking and doing the beer, I think I would probably drink. Oh, man, that's a hard question. There's a lot of good beers out there. And for me to drink the last one, um, you know what? Uh, Grand Teton has this delicious coming home ale that I still think about to this day. I don't think they make it anymore. Maybe they do, but last you can't even get Grand Teton over here anymore. Last I checked, so it would be that. I would probably yeah. do that, but knowing I just have some more, I, you know, yeah. <laughs> something your that last you made. public. Your last public beer. There it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, next question on here on Chadok with the Black Brewers podcast. Uh, this one can be this one can be a little a little embarrassing sometimes, but as you'll see, there is no such thing as embarrassing when it comes to music or beer. What is the first record you ever purchased? First one, any format. Anthony's laughing because he's in his fifties, and I know he's gonna be like thirty five. You just gave me five more years. Give me five more years. I was like, Oop. the first record though I ever purchased. Any format. Illmatic. Really? Ooh, wow. I, I, I have first first job, first paycheck. But I think it was Illmatic. That was 94. I think Illmatic and I want to say into the into the 36 chambers. They came out at the same time. Oof. That was when heat was on the shelves, just at Listen, will. I lived, I was a teenager in the 90s. It was a time. 
That's why this album ninety four is the best. Is the single the single greatest three year stretch in hip hop, hands down. Basically in music ninety one to ninety four. It was hip hop at its teenage years. I always yeah, say yeah. it was hip hop was a teenager. It'll be fifty. It's fifty this year. It was a teenager in the nineties. Yeah, um, you know when you're a teenager, early teen, you just wild as hell. Yeah. <laughs> My yeah. first album that I bought um as a kid was uh Ludacris Word of Mouth. That was the first Good album out. that I purchased, uh oh, first really? CD that I bought. And um it was edited, which was not cool. <laughs> but um I had an older brother too that was 10 years older than me, and so I he would always give me, you know, M's like Slim Shady LP and like the Chronic 2001 and like stuff that I probably shouldn't have been listening to, but I got around, I got to work around for some of those edited CDs. Yeah. <laughs> Bill? Um, for me, it's funny. It's a, uh, uh, it's pretty similar to Greg's, but, um, first time I actually bought a CD and I went to Target to get a CD, it was, it was a ludicrous, uh, uh, theater of the mind. Yeah, yeah, that's the one. If I go back and think about it, that's the one. I'm trying to think, making sure there's not something earlier, but it was that one. Yeah. Yeah, it's so much. It's so much cooler than "Please Hammer, Don't Hurt Him" on cassette. <laughs> that was yours. <laughs> oh yeah. Please hammer, don't hurt. Him. MC Hammer. It almost made it into that hammer. 1991 to 95 cold age of hip hop. Man, Hammer was well paid. Man, he was getting bucks. <laughs> He literally, <laughs> was, he was like, literally got the first too. pop crossover hip hop act. Yeah, well, they I mean, slammed him for it too, though. And and there is yeah. there is room, by the way, if you guys have something that is not, you know, Ben said tape that made me think of tape because if I were going the first medium or, or uh, first uh, anything recording that I bought, it would be the Public Enemy, the tape. Give it up, love that song to this day. I bought it on tape. The little cardboard <laughs> tape because I wanted the single because I was a little <laughs> shithead kid with no money and I was like I don't want to pay for the whole record. What if I don't like the whole record? What the single? Right. So I got no, the single. When you play, you yeah, back sing- they back made single back. cassettes. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah oh for yeah. Sure. What? You know what we would do? We would take the cassettes. I don't know if you remember this. Put a little piece of tissue on the on the on the inside of the little the top of the cassette. It had these little indentations. You break them off, put tissue, and then you you can record. Over wow. the cassette. He's the MacGyver. <laughs> Technology. He's the MacGyver. Yeah, we would put <laughs> tissue in them or t- or tape across it because they had these little things where you could that you couldn't do it. So you had, you had to break the little little tab yeah. on the top of it. These two little holes. Put tissue in it. Then you put on put the, put the tape in the tape that turn the radio on. And when you hear your song, hit the two buttons and record that bad boy. Yeah. What uh, tapes was you recording over, bro? Anything that we didn't, that our parents had that we didn't like. <laughs> they go to put in, they go to put in some, <laughs> oh. some Teddy Pendergrass and it's yeah. like Bone Thugs. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. We got in trouble. Don't get me wrong. We got in trouble for it. But we were still recording. And this was in the 80s because my, yeah. my uncles put me onto this. This was like Fear of a Black Planet, 88. You know, yeah. I'll be sure Chucky Booker, like 89. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And I was in junior high at the time. All right. Well, you that. you just said it. You got in trouble. What's an album? Because what's an album that you got in trouble for buying? Because I got my first album, which was the question. First this album right I here. bought. I got in trouble for buying Coolio. It takes a thief. 
<laughs> little white kid. I went up to the the Sam Goody counter. One Coolio, please. And my dad heard it later. And I feel like that kid again to reference Dave Chappelle show. I feel like that kid who's like, I'm from the streets, man. unit. Like that was me listening to that album, thinking this is the hardest stuff I'll ever hear. My dad was not in my house. Like this is what I got in trouble for. Oof. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. My grandfather. In ninth grade, in ninth tenth grade, I can't remember which grade he was. My grandfather, we lived with my grandparents. He was a minister. Mm. I bought the album, right? I'm banging it upstairs in my room, just on the break, just banging it. That CD, right? He's like, "What the hell is that?" <laughs> like, it's the woo. <laughs> Called him the dad. He's like, what? "He broke my CD." Oh, says, we don't play that in this house. <laughs> So, you know, my dumb ass, I went and bought another one like two weeks later when I got paid. But I didn't play it in the house. I played it in the garage. Yeah, yeah we don't play it in the house. Uh, um, Greg, what about you? First one you got in trouble for. This one wasn't my CD, but I actually mentioned it a little bit ago. But the Slim Shady, I, th- I forgot whichever one was first. The one with the, <laughs> the pill on the cover. The Slim Shady LP. Marshall Mathers LP was the first one. I learned yeah. quickly that I had to listen to that on like low volume. <laughs> on. That and then um, Chronic 2001. Yeah. Like my mom was like, what did he just say on this song? Like, it ain't, no, it ain't no fun if what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she was like, nah, no, nope. You're getting that out of here. But those, a lot of those were my brother's CDs. And so I would sneak downstairs and take his, or he would just be like, hey, you got to listen to this. And, um, then eventually he stopped because I kept getting his shit taken. So classic sibling <laughs> move. Uh Phil, what about you? Um, so I was a church household as well, grew up in the church. So they would be buying me like no diverge CDs and stuff like that. So I didn't really buy CDs until I got older and got a got a have my own job. But I we would be watching the shit out the music videos in yeah. the crib and we had to keep that volume low. Are you so, talking about BT Uncut? Yeah, we no, not BT Uncut. Well, we watch that by then. We keep the volume. Everybody know what that is. But, <laughs> but we will be watching like it'll be in the middle of the day, especially like um in the summertime where it'd be we'd be at my grandma's house and it'd be my cousin Maurice, my cousin BJ, Marquise, uh, my little sister Jade. We'd be downstairs chilling out, watching, watching like oh, uh, what's that? Watch the all the back when MTV BT played music videos. Back when they actually played music videos, and so we were watching them things, man. Yeah, yeah, you know we watched TRL. Actually, we really wouldn't watch TRL because they wouldn't be playing music we really wanted to listen to like that. Yeah, one hundred six for sure. That was on. Yeah, we was on there watching the ridiculous uh, 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 performances and stuff by Genuine getting resuscitated on stage and stuff, but. Yeah, that's what we were watching. So we just try to keep, we had to keep the volume low on that. And so sometimes- Our listeners can't hear this right now, but uh, Phil is a young, put together man with hip glasses on. He works on Black Brewers podcast. He's in the beer industry, the coolest industry to be in. And here he is griping <laughs> about how things used to be. They don't even play music on MTV anymore. It's not possible to be less cool than griping that way. <laughs> it's really disorienting. It's a bunch of reality shows, man. People fighting people because the producers made them piss each other off. Man, yeah. I want to just play some videos. Kids man. these on, days, man. Uh, drink play my beer. <laughs> out on my yard. Music television, man. That's a reality TV television. That's not real, man. Get that out of here, man. 
Uh, I gotta go to MTV that. Jams now or VH1. Yeah, no, they have MTV a whole channel. Jam. They have a whole channel. Yeah, you can watch. Yeah, as we got old, we would just switch to MTV Jams because that's that's where all that's that's man, that's where I found Big Shine. Is he was uh, <laughs> it was finally famous volume two. I, I figured out like, oh, this I like this dude, but they wouldn't play his video that often, so I had to go online and get his shit from LimeWire. Don't get me started on that oh, era. Yeah, but, yeah, I'm that's, I'm a real blog era guy. Share. Cause hey, I, Autumn, man, you want to talk uh, like, like oh, back in my day, apparently blog era is back in my day. I didn't know it was called the blog era until, you know, like a couple years ago. Like, oh, that's what they're calling that now? That's crazy to me. That's man. kind of the backpackers era. Same yeah. era. I mean, yeah. I mean, my my real love for music that I grew into, like like Currency, the hospital is my number one all-time favorite artist. I don't give a shit. Whoa, Y'all whoa, can bring whoa, up whoa. all the regulars. You yeah. see my notes? Yeah. My next question on Ched Talk. <laughs> favorite okay, MC up? of all time. Yeah, it's currency favorite? the hospital, man. Wow. Yup, facts. Period. Nothing said. I don't, I don't no argument. I don't care. Okay, yeah, Jigga cool. Hey, because of him, because of Jigga and all them Tupacs and Biggies, respect. But because of them, I got Spitter. And I'm happy. I'm glad they exist to bring me Spitter. But I'm picking Spitter because he's my hero. He is the reason why I'm moving the way I move today. Uh, uh, in a lot of ways. He's the reason why I think the way I think when, in a lot of ways. And it's because of him and his consistency and his willingness to not do what everybody else is doing and pick his own lane. It's because his bars are impeccable. And especially, man, come on, go to Pilot Talk series. Just get, put that on. Put the mixtape takeover. We put a mixtape up every every month for six months. Okay? You got you got a uh, 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 How Fly with Currency and Wiz Khalifa. Okay? I would pick Wiz, but Wiz stopped being Wiz after Cushion OJ. So, but don't even get me on that. He's got a couple like Taylor Autodice and he got a uh, whistle got wings. But you want to talk about consistency? Man, he taught me what consistency really is. Because a lot of artists you'll hear, you think they're dope, but then you find out, oh man, he kind of he ain't really doing he's cool on this one song, but but the rest of his stuff not is not yeah. on the caliber. Currency, he remains the same. He don't man, spitter, currency the hospital. I love that man. That's that's the guy. That's the guy. Excuse <laughs> hey, all, my tangent. Excuse all I'm saying. No, it wasn't a tangent. It's beautiful. But when I when we put this episode out, we put a social media spot at Real Wolf Record Club on Instagram and realwolfrecordclub.com. I expect somebody to add currency. Yeah. With that on this, he's going to put that out there for us. So you say, <laughs> listen at whatever minutes we're in when Phil gives a big <laughs> plug for I'm saying, man, I've been to every one of Currency's concerts in the past 10 years. He's, he's due for a show here, first yeah. off. He's been as me since the Rona. Anywho, man, Spitter. So <laughs> many memories. So many memories. Uh, Greg, favorite MC of all time? Um, I'd probably have to go with Jay-Z just simply because I grew up listening to a lot of his music from – all the way from Reasonable Doubt all the way through, like, the Black Album. Like, I have that. The Black Album is, like, pretty much memorized for me. Even some of his stuff that people don't really like, like Kingdom Come and some of the later stuff, I was still listening to all that, too. Um, nice. But I'd, I'd probably say Jay-Z. Um, yeah, most likely I'll say Jay-Z just simply because everything that he's done and then just as far as the business side of things as well, um, but the backstory is really the thing I identify a little bit with uh, with how Hove grew up. Mm-hmm. Anthony, you get the last word on this one. Your favorite MC of all time. 
Same guy bought his first album, Nas, Nasir Jones. Mm. Uh, Nas changed how I thought, like literally changed how I thought, how I moved in the world. I was a backpacker, I'm still a backpacker, came back from everywhere. Yeah. Uh, he, like, to me, Nas was the baby of Rakim in a way that people, if you're not down with like old school boombastic, how like Rakim changed the game with how he changed rhyming structure in rap, Nas changed the structure and the language. And so for me, growing up, Nas, because you know, me and my guys, we had our little group and you know, we we did our little thing. We thought we like the native tongues here. There's a bunch of us who had different groups and we all had a collective. And so for me, I always channeled Nas and, and, and tried to flow like Nas and tried to emulate him when I freestyled and and using vocabulary, using using words and similes and, and telling stories. So mm-hmm. Nas is hide and see. Yeah. Um, mm, that's tough to compete with. Uh, last question here on Ched Talk, and this one's going to be tough for you guys. I don't know how you're going to handle it. Uh, there is an explosion of craft beers out there, breweries, and beer types, and flavors, and everything. And that means a lot of great stuff and a lot of not so great stuff. So, we're going to go in the order of my line of sight, which means. Best, Anthony, meh, Greg, and worst. Best, meh, and worst beer out there. And you don't have to name names. You can just name a flavor if you don't want to piss anybody off. (laughs) Are we talking about just brewery or beer? Beer, A specific beer. You could be like that one time we went to that one place somewhere and it had a burrito beer and it was terrible. All right. Best. Best, worst, and and Phil's got the hard one at the end. He's got to be the guy that's uh, <laughs> just already know it dog is. shit. I don't like it. Oh man, I'm best right and meh and worst. I'm gonna go with my best right now. And right now, my best is might surprise both of these guys, but it's from their brewery. The beer de guard is, oh, it's amazing. Wow. It wow. is one of my favorite beers at Dangerous Man of all time. So that's the best. Wow. All right. What's just kind of meh? And this could go a lot of different ways. You could say it's an overrated beer. You could say it's just everybody loves it. It ain't that good. You could say it just. <laughs> I'm going to I'm gonna avoid saying a specific name, but I'll be because y- y'all trying to get me in trouble. I got a, I just got a new position at Dangerous Man. So, you know, I'm trying to try to be clean over here. But I want to burn any bridges. I get it. <laughs> yeah. But, um, for me, um, you know, it's one of the most well-known breweries. They they helped pass the law here. <laughs> what are you talking about? Oh, we know who that is. Don't you know, say nothing, but we know. Yeah, you know, the, the can might be a little, little red. Impressive. Yeah, a little, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. A little yeah. angry. I, and they <laughs> sell it. And they sell it everywhere. Like, if you have a ball game yeah. and you're like, you know what, it's hot. Which, by the way, I'm drinking a Modelo tonight. And there's a reason I like to drink Modelos, because they're $17 at Dodger Stadium. True story. Uh, <laughs> but when it's hot out, I, I want to, you know, you might want to have a couple of them. If you get yeah. one of the beer that you are referring to, 
it's like nap time. It's over. Yeah, and and I don't know. I appreciate those guys. Yeah, but yeah, I appreciate those guys. But that beer in in particular, that one beer in particular has never really been. I just never really got it. That's the best answer. Sorry, Phil. You can't even win. That's the best answer. (laughs) I so agree with that. A thousand percent. (laughs) All right, Phil. Who are you going to shit on now? Who's the worst? The worst beer I ever had. You know, by the... By by the grace of God, I can't remember the brewery. I'm glad I don't. I I don't think I should. But it was a it was a fried it was a a hot wing sour. Oh. I had a hot wing sour a buffalo buffalo a buffalo <laughs> wing sour oh. beer. Trash. Oh, I'm not doing it. Oh, I I, I I'm appalled that I have to pull upon my memory and memorize what that tastes like on my palate. My palate was disrespected that day. And Question, so I, it's just, nah. Was nah, it better man. than the chili cheese, than the, than the, than the, than the hey, me, chili beer? Let me tell you this, man. <laughs> I'd rather have been in the back of that limousine when Ike and Tina were fighting each other, getting blowed up by both of them, than drinking that beer. I'd rather do that. Oh. I take my chances in that back of that limousine. I remember that day because I was at work, right? I was. Yeah, when they brought that, that beer around and everybody was sipping it. Yeah, it was foul. Yeah, Ryan brought that beer. <laughs> I love that. I love that about music because we invariably the people we talk to are always like, I remember where I was when I heard this thing. Yeah. It changed me forever. Same thing with food. Like, you remember that time I had that thing? Same thing with beer. I'll drink. Like, I called you. Remember, you texted me. And and Phil, like, meteorologist, he's like, it was a hot, muggy day in July. Like, he knows how hot it was. He knows how shitty it was. He knows who he called. (laughs) Total recall was... burned into your brain. <laughs> no, we're not do don't don't put that beer by me no more. I, do well, that. right now all of our listeners are googling hot chili beer or chicken wing. What, beer. what was it? What was it? Buffalo buffalo wing. It was buffalo, buffalo wing sour. It was buffalo flavored buffalo wing flavored sour. sour. Yeah, Ugh. yeah. Buffalo that just sounds that just sounds gross. It's the worst wing. idea. Sour. <laughs> Yeah. I didn't taste that one, but I tasted that uh that Hormel chili beer and that was, hmm. I, <laughs> I, I, I might have over at Modesto. Did it have Frank's <laughs> I didn't put him out there? You did. <laughs> did it have Frank's red hot in it? I think so. Yeah. I think so. I can't remember specifically, but I think so. Well, I just want all of the listeners to know that the gentlemen from the Black Brewers podcast were very diplomatic and did not name names. But if you want to look up any of this, you might be able to find it. Uh, it says Google's your friend and he's Google's your friend. There you go. Uh, all right. You know what? I, I'm looking up the numbers. I think, and I'll cross check with Ben. I think. Yeah, I'm, yeah my scorecard looks like it's full here. It's a full. I think that's yep. a winning round of Chad Talk. Congratulations, members of the Black Brewers podcast. You have just won Ched Talk. Uh, this is the Real Wolf Record Club podcast. Check us out, www.realwolfrecordclub.com, at Real Wolf Record Club on Instagram. I, Twitter's out there. I don't know who's on it anymore. I We have it at Real Wolf Trump. RC. Yeah. I mean, you could go on there. <laughs> we have Nobody, it, too. It's, it's there, but I don't know when the last time we updated. I think the Laserbeak show was the last time we updated okay. So that's a while ago, but um, God love it, Laserbeak. Um, but check us out. Uh, check these guys out. We are going to take a real quick break and come back and break down the tribe called Quest Record Midnight Marauders. This is the Real Wolf Record Club. 
Welcome back to the Real Wolf Record Club. We're here talking with Anthony, Greg, and Phil of the Black Brewers podcast, <laughs> covering a lot of ground, a lot of ground here. Uh, if you're still with us, hopefully you are. Hopefully you're checking out all their good stuff on Spotify and YouTube, checking out us, uh, same locations. Uh, you can follow along with the conversation, check out the albums, all of our guests on our website, realwolfrecordclub.com. And now it comes to the part that, that I just always, Ben, this has got to be our favorite thing about the entire show. This, where we dig into a record, maybe we once knew, maybe we've always loved, maybe we've never heard of, and you just get to think about it. You get to dig into it. You get to listen to it. I mean, that's, that's gotta be your favorite piece, right, Ben? Favorite piece uh, about yeah. the whole experience. I, I, it's it's exactly that, and it it's all of the things because sometimes it's that album that's been collecting a little bit of dust, and I have to make the comment that I listeners can't see this, but Anthony has been slowly displaying all of the different Tribe Called Quest albums that I'm sure he's loved and he's listened to a ton and worn out, and. Um, this experience made me do that too is kind of go back and just go through the catalog because I can't just listen to this album. I got to listen to all of them because it, it is such an experience. It's a journey. Um, and, and that's, that's what we hope listeners do as well is they get on a journey. They listen to something new. They listen to something they haven't listened to in a while, or they listen to something that maybe they didn't like before. And, They've gotten past that 25-year-old barrier. Now they're starting to, to, to appreciate the things their dad talked to them about, including music. Mm. And they go, oh, yeah, I should have given that more of a chance. So, yeah. yes, I love this part of the, of the podcast, Joe. One of the questions I asked our panel, our group, our guest, I should say, um, during Ched Talk was favorite MC of all time. Ben, what's your favorite MC of all time? Uh, I'm... I'm Coolio, totally going. Right? Yeah, Coolio. <laughs> uh, I think he tried to hit on one of my sisters one time, so I, I don't know that I can, I can, I can go with that. I'm, I'm, I am though going totally home field advantage for me, and so it's going to be Slug from Atmosphere, and <laughs> I know, I know that's that's a home field advantage kind of cop out, but nice it just has, it just has such personal significance for me because. Atmosphere really kind of broadened my hip hop and music horizons, so it was kind of that like gateway into a lot of other great music that I wouldn't have listened to otherwise if if I had not kind of dug into that catalog and then started to kind of branch out from there. So that that's that that's got taken the top space for me. Although I'm I'm a big fan of the the kind of Killer Mike LP duo. And I, I can't break that up into just one MC. I feel like they are so like connected to each other in the way that they deliver that um, that that's going to be kind of like a close second. If I'm not going home field advantage, those are, those are two that really kind of resonate with me recently. Yeah, I this is this is one I got this idea, this question, such a unique question. Favorite MC, uh, Black Brewers podcast episode. They talked about favorite MC of all time, and these guys didn't tell me anything. Cause they named about 9 million different artists and didn't pick one out. And I thought that's, that's what's so hard to do is to pick 
pick one that you'd say that's the one, although uh, uh, <laughs> Phil did it for us a little bit earlier in the show, very, very adamantly. Uh, for me, it's, I don't know, it's hard to pick one. If I had to pick one, it's something I've been listening to a lot lately. It's the genius. It's Jizza from East Coast. I Everything he touches, I just, when you listen to a Wu-Tang song and in comes a Jizza verse, you always, ears perk up. You're like, this guy's different. There's something... You know, we described a gritty, bassy, a basementy sound on the Tribe Called Quest record we're talking about today. That's kind of what Jizza brings, and and a lot of his solo records are definitely worth checking out if you have not. Uh, Liquid yeah. Swords, Liquid Swords, <laughs> wow, uh, yeah. I mean, there's there's some great stuff, and so, but but that comes, I guess, to the big question I have. For the group about this record we're talking about, Midnight Marauders, is it any one MC? Is it any one thing about this record that makes it that makes it the complete package that it is? And if so, what is it? And if not, what is it that really pulls it all together? So for me, it's two things. Five dog, first of all, just P H I F E. Man, listen, man. How many times have you heard a funky diabetic? Mm-hmm. Five Dog slept on as the MC still to this day to me. Mm-hmm. It's one of the most prolific, dopest MCs. And then Q-Tips production. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Q-Tips production. A lot of people don't know this. A lot of people don't know. Ali Shahid Muhammad was only the DJ. Right. Q-Tip did all the beats. Right. <laughs> Q-Tip did all the beats. His production, second to none. Second, yeah. those are the two things that stand out to me most on this album. I agree. I'm with, with you on that, man. Oh, go um, ahead, bro. Uh, you know, I agree with Anthony. The production, um, at the time was like it was like a breath of fresh air, and um, I think for a lot of people, it, you know, because this was during the era of like, you know, go- post golden age, but it was almost yeah. like the new uh, ushering of a new golden age kind of mm-hmm. kind of thing like a second wave or something but um yeah i think the production at the time was just so new york as well um without it having to be like super hard or grimy or anything like that it was more playful more fun and so yeah i think that those things resonate a lot with people i gotta agree i I gotta say man yeah yeah it's a lot of it a lot of it is is q-tis production because the way his production uh, uh, allows it's like a petri dish that allows the album to thrive and grow. You got Buster mm-hmm. Rhymes over here popping in. You got Fight Dog. You gave Fight Dog a steady foundation to do lyrical backflips like Simone uh, Bile. Okay, mm-hmm. and you got Q-Tip going nuts. So lyrically and production wise, it's funny because Gregory's a good point. When it first came out, people were like, "Yo, what's going on here?" But for me, when I heard it, for me. The sound of this album is my childhood. I like yeah. just it, it's it's strongly nostalgic. It um it reminds me of when my aunties I'd be at the crib with my aunties and they'd be watching me, but you know they got they got this shit on, you know, electronic relaxation bumping in the background. I just it's like it's albums like that with the sound like this. The the one the only album that I think is most, most close to this one is is a uh, uh is Big L's uh, first album, um that one. And the, those two just, I just, when I think, hear these, it just sends me on a time machine back. And so for q to be able to capture that and put it on an album and be, be able to press play and run that back every single time, yeah, man, it's got to be, 
Yeah. Because if them beats was whack. Yeah. <laughs> what's dope about this album is it was a departure from their first two. Like the first right. two were jazz influence. This was more like street level. Boom, yeah. Back, New, yeah. New York, yeah. primo type beats, large professor. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I'm trying to think. It, uh, what was my man's name? Um, Showbiz AG type digging in the crates. This was just that flavor. It was gritty. a lot more funkier. Lot yeah, more it was gritty. You can feel. You can feel the city. But do you uh, think hey. that? Do you think that makes a, a record? Um, I don't want. How do I say it? Not not makes a record, but it's almost a. You might not need it for a good album, but it's a prerequisite for a great album. And, and to be so linked to location or time or something, because I think the knock on pop music generally, you know, I mentioned uh, while we were off camera talking about a Taylor Swift record, um, pop generally doesn't ever seem to be connected. And that's kind of the universality of pop. That's partly why I sometimes struggle with a Beyonce record, because I can't place it anywhere other than just it's Beyonce. Yeah, and I think what rap and punk and rock and bluegrass is you can place it time and place and people feel connected. I mean, is that I feel like that's a prerequisite to a great album is putting it on a map somewhere. I 100% agree with you, man, because with pop, pop is there's two different um, principles when it comes to pop and real music. OK, I, there's two different principles. There's two different sets. Pop is to hypnotize you. It is to construct. It is to uh, scientifically engineer an album or a record for you to be hypnotized into liking and you to remember. And pop albums are generally revered and regarded for their ability to do that. Now, you got this. You have Midnight Marauders. You have albums like the Black Album. Even the mm-hmm. Black Album got a couple of songs that you could even say were engineered, but it's because but it's because Timbaland was just just play anywho um but then you got um uh, uh artists or you got music that was created from emotion you got music where back especially back in the day where um when you play music and record it onto actual tape it picks up the energy within the room you pick up the vibrations it's like q-tip had a little vibration vibe vacuum magnet and he just went around the streets of new york and sucked yeah. it up and then he took it with him to the stool and then he busted that shit out and, and, and wove it and dyed it into the fabric of his music that he created during that, that progress. There's a difference, man. Yeah. And that's why you could put a location on that. It's the same thing with any, uh, you, you, we could, we could do these comparisons all day, man. Yeah. You know, it's, but it, it rains true. I don't, you can, I don't try, try me. Yeah, I, I dare someone to argue me. So about one of that. the things about this is that this album was recorded in the, with the time. Uh, what you were going back to what you were saying is that their previous album, uh, Low in Theory, was recorded in Five Dogs grandmother's basement. Yep. And so that had a specific song, uh, not sorry, it had a specific feel to it because of the circumstances that they were recording under. Yeah. Um, and Q Tip, you know, they were obviously much more popular by the time that they started recording this. And wanted to he wanted to recreate that feel and that rough like rawness um and i don't think a lot of people do that too much anymore especially not in pop like it's all big scale studios and all that stuff uh people are start rappers are starting to get back to recording and like 
residences or at specific yeah. locations and stuff. The studio game is not as popular as it used to be, but uh, for this album, I think they intentionally were like, we want to keep some feeling to like New York City and just like the fast pacedness of New York in the nineties, uh, mid nineties, and yeah. I have two, two, two very different contrasting thoughts about that. So first, I think the reason why the album sounds like it does, another reason is, just like we talked about with the beer industry, how it's competitive, but everybody wants to see each other win. At that time in hip hop in New York, it was yeah. competitive, but everybody wanted to see each other win. Yeah. yeah. Native Tongues, you had the Woo, you had Puff Bad Boy, and everybody's yeah. collaborating on everybody's album. You it's like Atlanta I mean? is now. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and so it was this, that competitive camaraderie. And so when they did, when they did the low end theory, yeah, it was jazzy, it was whatever, but Scenario was the big breakout, the remix, right? Yeah. And so when they did the remix of Scenario with, with leaders of the new school, I just imagine, I imagine they're like the next album, we, it's gotta be that, that level of, of feeling and, and, and camaraderie ship, but bigger. Yeah. And also music is the soundtrack to our lives. As you were saying earlier, you, you can hear a song and go back to a place, person, smell, taste. It, it connects everybody. But again, but, but so, and now I want to jump to pop music really quick. Pop music has changed because mm-hmm. the 80s, I have, I have this opinion. Black music in the 80s was all pop. There wasn't any soul, it was pop, but it changed the way we viewed music in, from Michael Jackson to, to Whitney Houston, because most people will say, oh, those are Thriller or Whitney's first album are soul albums. No, they're pop albums, but they have the soul from the people who put those albums, who sung those songs. So pop music changed to me in the 80s because pretty much all 80s was excess cocaine and pop music. It is what it is. And then you hit like 88, 89 where rap started to really hit public enemy. And then it changed. Pop music in the black community at least went back to soul with Mary J. Blige in the early 90s and Boys yeah. Men and BBD and all these things. So pop music, I think it has these waves. Mm-hmm. And I think we're hitting another wave with pop music with Drake, even though he's rap, him his last album, Beyonce's last album, to me those are those are nineteen seventy five albums. They're disco. Yeah, they're yeah. disco. They're pop and they're soul. They they're hitting a different wavelength with different people. Well, and and I know all, all apologies to Beyonce because we what was it Ben Lemonade? Uh, we talk about this album this season, and there's some great stuff on that album. Uh, but it's a different. It's something about time and place that if you can connect that to a piece of art and i probably quoted this on a previous episode but uh uh jean michael basquiat famous visual artist what is his quote art is how we decorate space music is how we decorate time and i think of that every time i'm like oh i remember when i heard this song where i was is what i was doing it's when i was it's it's when i was doing something and i i think there's just something very important about that um, but overall, the effect of the album, it, to use one of our favorite phrases to describe music, vibe, 
the vibe on this album. I mean, we talk about vibe when everything from Neil Young to album like this, where you're feeling something that it's pretty clear they wanted um, you to feel. I think that's so different than what rappers now, you know, uh, Phil, you talked about Atlanta. Future has created an entire sound based on sounding like somebody's old, old uncle. And I love it. <laughs> I listened to it. And he just canceled the show, by the way. I was disappointed. But that's what he sounds like. Wayne. <laughs> yeah, right. It's just Anybody an old... going to two shows in one week. The same cast that see Wayne, see Future. They ain't paying for both shows. Oh, hey, that's it. They are not doing it. <laughs> it's, it's creating a vibe. It's just such a different experience. And that's to take nothing away from the production that's happening, you know, in the trap and the drill scenes and all the music scenes related to rap and hip hop. But it's just this album does feel different in that my question about is there any one thing you'd pull out? I don't know if there's one thing. I think there's there's production. I think there's all all the MCs working together on it. I think it's time and place um, that go into making that feel. Um, but for me, for me, my one I, I I always try to pick out one word that describes the album for me, and, and the the one word I have on this one is consistent. And that's that's the thing that I kept coming back to is yeah. this this album just has no dip. Like every track is solid, and it really just like has that very consistent vibe and that same vision like throughout. It's starting from the very very top, like starting it off with like I don't know if you call it a skit, but like yes, yeah, a skit. It's it's a, it's an introduction, but it it, it is like this. It, it's like a it's a prologue really i mean it, it just sets the stage for like this this consistent vibe throughout so for me that was just the that was the thing that really stuck out to me is like there's just nothing that you skip over there's nothing that you say man that really like stuck out to me is not fitting it all just like is a is a singular piece of art and I, that's yeah. I, I that's something i really enjoyed about it say that you bring you bring really good points to my head because with this album it's like to me, this album is like um, the Dark Knight, um, because the Dark Knight, for one, is 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 in the middle of a. While it's not a, in a trilogy, it's still it's still the best part of that that whole you know a collection of movies. It's it's like just like you you know you got so much to work with at the other end, and then at the beginning you came in with such great intro. So and also within the movie, the Dark Knight really has like three climaxes if you go back and watch that shit. So I think, but uh, when I compare Midnight Marauders to the Low End Theory or even as uh, uh, People's Instinct of Travels um, and even the one after, Q-Tip likes to do this thing, this sick thing with his, his mixing and in, in, uh, uh, produ production skills while he mixes with uh, 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 Alicia Muhammad um, where they make this, it's like towards, it's like, it's like in the middle of the album where everything congeals into a singular mix. And it's like, you're in the middle of that the soft gooey middle of a cookie. And this whole album is that this whole yeah. album. Like, cause like I try, yeah. Cause you're right. I've listened to this multiple times, especially recently. I go back and I'm like, there's no real, there's no dip. There's, there's the whole thing is the middle. Uh, this whole album is the middle part, the soft goo, the middle slice of pizza, the middle gooey part of the cookie. That's it's the Tootsie Pop. Through. It's a Tootsie Pop track. I described this in the Black Sal Black Sabbath episode that we had. It's that it's that chocolatey center. How many licks does it take to get to the center of the Tootsie Pop? <laughs> hey, that man, that's bro. it. That's right there. Dude, this this album is that, and like from compared to them being in the 
and fights mama's base, grandma's basement. They now, I love it. I like it when they talk about like, like Q-tips like all the dough that I'd be raking. There's hoes to be laid. And it fights like hoes to be laid. I'm like, hey, oh, oh, they that means they've been on tour for some years. They've been getting to the bucks. They've been living. And then now it's to come full circle displayed in a on the tracks. And it's not like overdoing it too much. It's it's perfect. It's you can see the results of what had came before them, and he, they're here to show you that way they wasn't finished. We just in the middle. Like, ah, yeah. Well, for, for all of that, where we say how, how much it di- doesn't dip or how consistent it is, or you know, all the other superlatives we can put at it, we do make you on this show splice dylan as one of our guests has said you don't splice a genius we're gonna splice a genius record right now uh greg you gotta pick one your favorite song on the album midnight marauders oh man it's a little it's a little cliche um i feel like this is a lot of people's favorite but electric relaxation that's just like for me that just gives me like hustling public transit vibes like I'm about to hop on the train and like, you know, you just get in your zone and just kind of block out the the BS around you yeah. and just kind of catch your own little vibe. Um, whether that's on the bus, whether it's on the train, whether it's on your bike or whatever, um, that song just for me is just when it comes on, it's just, you know, I want, and, and I don't, I don't do this critically or uh, in opposition at all because I've been to that space. You just came from to say, how you segued in, but I'm just going to put a pin and say, fuck that. When people say to us, you should pick a less poppy or not a single or something like, I felt that so much in my life about like, oh, I know I'm supposed to pick a deep cut, but I really like the hit. The hit is the hit. It is the hit. It is a hit for a reason. For a reason. And, and it wasn't the, the lead single. It no. Wasn't the lead, it was, I think, the second or third, but it's just, it's a banger. It's a banger. It's, and it's, like, it's okay to like the the bangers or the pop because i i felt that too because for me it was award tour or oh my god both of which were singles and i just those were the three singles yeah and i just i couldn't i couldn't get away from it It was like there's something about these that i will just continue to metabolize forever and i wanted to be like i'm gonna pick something deeper and i'm like don't do that to yourself like it's okay that that song is just you know it's just it it embodies what I imagine, uh, 90s New York, you got to hop yeah. on the train, you got to go somewhere. It just embodies that walking down the street, you know, it just the whole album, really, but that song in, in particular. Yeah. That song, and just, you know, every time I hear that song, this is how, you know, like things remind you of things, right? Every time I hear that song, I love the song. I know it was out before what I'm about to say. I'm reminded of the Wayans Brothers. Hey, so, real shit, man. Yeah. You know, used to come on yeah. with electric relaxation. So, and and yeah. the little artwork they had on the, on the thing, yeah, with the little like with the hands and all that was reminiscent of the album. Oh, but for me, yeah. my song, my song, eight million stories. Definitely, I will say one thing about this album that I do love is the cover art. Too. Yeah, the yeah. cover art is iconic. There's a lot of very important people on that cover yeah. as well for those everybody was on know. that funny yeah, thing everybody, is everybody wanted to be on the album so many people didn't get on the album they were pissed yeah <laughs> well, I'll be on the cover of the new tribe record yeah. can you imagine like being a heavy hitter at the time and didn't get on that album 
Well, this was before <laughs> the East Coast West Coast thing. Yeah. And so yeah. you had Ice yep. T on there. You had Puffy's yep. on that cover. Yep. Far Side, uh, among yeah. you know Busta, among many many other people. Yeah. But yeah. But eight million stories, man. Fife was in his bag. Yeah. He like, and he just took you on a journey through his day. Yeah. It's like you know he's, when he started off with the car bell to get a milkshake. This honey hit me up for my loot cakes. Like, we all go through that. That baseline is crazy. Like he said, "We talking about talking about taking his taking his brother to to uh to K to KB to get the birdie tour. They sold out. Just right. like you know, his car got his radio got jacked out of his car. <laughs> like, he's, that's the that's the quintessential you know hood experience in a sense. Where like right. you know you going about your day and shit happens, but you still kind of like." Keep it, keep, keep a positive spin on it, even though you know the day's being shitty. I love the, the radio line just about, stole. I love the line when he talked about he's a basketball fan. He said the coach took him up because he was breaking cats on the M scenes. You know what I'm saying? Unless you're right. a point guard and know what that is, you're like, what is he talking about? So it's <laughs> eight million stories, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh Phil, what's your favorite record? Or favorite song Midnight. record? Midnight. That song. Okay, we'll start with the production. That's the production is like I, I I see this this purple goop swipping and slapping and swerving around the New York City, and I, I feel this energy of him being excited for what for getting it cracking that night. And then he's te- he's like daydreaming about what he's about to get into, but he's are also telling you a story, a glimpse, a glimpse into New York in the '90s, and he's telling a story about. What the boys be on, what the cops be doing, like, yeah, man, hey, you know, are right, y'all come allowed? The cops finna come on over here, you know, mess your time up and get you crush your weed up. And he's also talking about shooting a little dice game. He's talking about grabbing his little blick blick for two fifty or for two hundred twenty dollars. It just the story <laughs> he paint. And, and first off, this is a literal lyrical showcase. Like he's doing, he's going Tony Hawk with the lyrics on yeah. his track, and it's just Q tip. He's like, he just Q tips like, ah, give me that. And I'm just. I'm gonna take this whole track. Oh, man, he just knew that was like his best track. That was because the production on that shit just I and then he said the way the moon and the stars dangle in the night, like that lyric. Yeah. What a picture that paints. It's a it's really not that many words. And I I, I it's examples like it just that. Just hits that you I every to, time. Yes. It, it, and it's in dangle. It, it, when yeah. I think of that, I think of like 90s that you know how like you like like think of a living color, like the intro, how like it's like it's the uh, etching is like so you just see the moon and the stars dangling the night with the with the purple just whomping and whooming that song every time and it's just a beautiful rendition and picture of a time that you will never be able to go back to and experience in real life again you can only hang on to it with your memories and it, and it makes you feel like that every time like that yeah. song is special to right me is on it, my almost, mind. Yeah. it almost made me shed a tear shy. when i was listening to it because as i get yeah. older Nostalgia becomes more of a factor in my thought process sometimes, and it hits yeah. you in more deeper and, sh- and stronger waves. Sometimes you ever just get like waves of nostalgia where you're like blinking back to your childhood, and you got your little CCTV playing Mario, and you hear the do 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 dying, and you know, and you see yourself as a little boy, and you know you'll never it's... be able to go back to that time again. Like yeah. I, I think it. you just watched the Mario Brothers movie. <laughs> and you felt it right there because you can do it again. Watch it again. No, yeah, I, yeah. I, I haven't. I haven't watched that movie, man. But like, I, I, I played the you know NES, 
it just brings you back to that time right. that you can never ever go back and you know very definition of nostalgia a little pain with fineness mixed in midnight definitely you can like almost hear like the squeal of the train or like yeah. you know like if you're like in Chicago or New York or something you hear like the train just go by it's like you can yeah. like almost close your eyes and like hear the street the sound and everything I know I see him in his whip just like uh uh his whip with his headphones on or him roaming around and then him just thinking about like yeah you know the shine is still shine night is on my mind <laughs> yeah, yeah. on a run like sun is on a midnight run like De Niro like just the yeah, man. just the the the, 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 the similes in the, in the, in you know like Fucking movie midnight. Uh, what is it? Midnight train with De Niro. I can't even name the movie, but yeah, you say he a nocturnal animal. <laughs> well, what I what I love about that yeah. is when you listen to to rap or hip hop, it, it does it requires your attention because if you're not listening to the lyrics, if you're tuning it out, if you're if you're not a fan, you won't hear. But there's a lot to listen to and pay attention to, and even if it's the little one line here, one line there, you're gonna get something eventually that you're like. That sticks. That's that resonates here. Um, ben, money don't make none. <laughs> ben, yeah. what, what what's your favorite song on the record, Ben? God, I I'm there with a word tour too. Man, I I just I've listened to it so many times, and I still just love it. And I I mean I appreciate the whole album, and I like the whole album, but that that just one that that one sticks out to me is one I've listened to a bunch, and I I just I keep going back to it. Ben is also our uh, resident former. He he. I can't tell if he loves or hates when I introduce him this way, but he's a former wedding DJ, and so one of the things oh, Ben likes to do is <laughs> not quite as cool, Hunter. right? Uh, but uh, Ben loves to put things on playlists, and so Ben, please, 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 tribe called Quest, put it on a playlist. Let me, let me give an honorable mention out to Steve Biko. Though. Stir it yeah. up. Oh, yeah. Ooh. Hell of a track. That's like my number two track. Stir oh, it up. Oh, you're a man after Ben's heart. Ben never picks one. He picks one, <laughs> two, three, four, five. Those are all my favorites. <laughs> yep. all right, ben, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I did. I also had the 2B where. I like lyrics to go because it's got that solid whistle in it, and also <laughs> rhyming permitted with shitted. I mean, that's just nothing better than that. Uh, that is lyrics to go, truly. Um, all right, putting it on a playlist, Joe. I I initially thought let's let's go Harry Potter. Let's just go full in nerd Marauder's Map. Like, oh, man. let's let's oh, let's did. make one for all the Harry Potter's fans out there. <laughs> But I honestly, I just, I didn't even know where to start. Where you could get Harry Potter themed music, I, I just, I couldn't tie, it, I couldn't tie it together. So, I collected some songs, and as always, started with a, a track from the album. I'm going with the Word Tour. I couldn't get away from it. I'm putting it on this playlist. But it's, it's going against uh, some, some great songs here, some great tracks. So we're putting Atmosphere, always coming back home to you. So right. that's my favorite MC. I'm putting him on the, this playlist. With Tupac, California Love, California Love, Nelly, Country Grammar. Ooh. We're putting Sir Mix a lot on this. Jump on it. And then the last, the last one I'm going to give you on this preview 
is uh, a little band by the name of Limp Biscuit. Hey. And a track called <laughs> Show Me What You Got. Jody, what do you think? What do we got here for the theme? What what is this playlist, Joe? We got Limp Biscuit. We've got uh, Atmosphere coming coming back home to you. Tupac, California Love, Nelly, Country Grammar. Oh, I got it. Do you guys got it? I got something. I got something that's. Uh, what do we got going for a theme here? What do we got going for a theme? This is a, tu- this is a tough one. ADHD. <laughs> What do we got going for? ADHD playlist. I like that one. Um, it's everywhere. I got it. I got it. It's all right, Joe. What do you got? What do you got? It's a world tour. Oh, you've got the actual name of the playlist, Joe. It is world tour. These are songs that list locations. You could have not putting it on a playlist. I'm putting it on a map. You could have just done Hank Snow, I've Been Everywhere, The Country. That's my bonus track. Hank Snow, I've Been Everywhere, which? Covered look, by Johnny Cash. Which? Yes, covered, covered by Johnny Cash. I, I, I'm not sure. I didn't count them out. But I think it lists somewhere of up to or exceeding 68 cities. I think that's true. But we've got April 29th, 1992 by Sublime, Grateful Dead Truckin'. Huey Lewis in the news, Heart of Rock and Roll. All of these tracks. <laughs> All of these tracks have some point in the in the track where they just go off on listing cities. Just to just to get that shout out and, and that identification. You gotta put a ludicrous on there, uh hoes or area codes. Area codes. Yes. Yeah. Very local bonus <laughs> bonus track. Ludicrous. Area codes. I love it. It's going on as track number 15. You know that moment where something happens and you, you've been around it forever and you finally get it. It finally clicks. Every episode we go through this. And Ben, I hate riddles. I hate them. I don't get them. They're dumb. And Ben sets me up on a riddle all the time. I'm like, I don't fucking know. Some song list. What? This is the first time I was like, a world you tour. got it click you got it it's world tour it is literally on my on my notes right now playlist name hyphen world tour world tour that's crazy uh well you can check out all of ben's playlists and you decide for yourself is he crazy <laughs> or fun or both uh realwolfrecordclub.com there's a link with playlists and all that information we can also check us out on spotify i think we've got a podcast listing as well as a profile listing that has all of our playlists check them out real wolf record club uh i think we're here on the home stretch and you know how this goes uh we food principle uh you could call it the beer principle because a lot of times i'll go out and have a beer and people are like you don't like that you don't have to drink it i'm like i will (laughs) choke down a horrible beer because if i am upright somewhere alive in america with friends drinking a beer i'm doing okay uh, so the food principle, beer principle, whatever you want, it is so much more fun to talk about music you love, talk about food you love, talk about beer you love than shitting on the stuff you don't. Um, so that I come at it from that way. I, I have very rarely encountered a record through this process of picking an album or having a guest pick, which by the way, I'm curious to know what your guys' final four is. Uh, guests, listeners, you may not know this, but a lot of our guests come to us and have records in mind that they want to talk about. We have three guests today, and somehow they got to this. So I'm curious to know, guys, what was your final four 
Because didn't you do didn't you do a March Madness bracket of records? It, it wasn't necessarily a bracket, but um, <laughs> Anthony, we told each other that we were going to come to the table with five. Anthony came with twelve. <laughs> <laughs> Phil I love came music. With, Phil came with just one, and I I had. The five. <laughs> I'm going back in the group chat to see which ones. Oh, I got them now. So Anthony had twelve. I'll just got him right a couple here. of them. Yeah, I had um. Uh, I know the chronic was in there for me. Um, I'm trying to see which other ones I had, but uh, Anthony, if you got them, go ahead. Yeah, so mine, I'm gonna go. I'm only gonna give you six top six Stevie Wonder, Songs in the Kid Life, my favorite Ooh. artist of all time. Oh, Prince in the Revolution, Purple Rain. Oh, uh, number three, Ready to Die, Biggie. Number four, this one could have been number two. Marvin Gaye, Hear My Dare. Woo! If you're ever in a breakup, get divorced, listen to that album, it'll help you through it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> number five, The Roots, Things Fall Apart. Yeah. And number six, Supreme Clientele Ghosts. Top. I gotta give them more. Fela Kute and Africa 7, expensive shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I had um, Illmatic, Blueprint 1 from Jay-Z. I also had Midnight Marauders, and then I had um, I had NWA Straight Outta Compton, and then I had Curtis Mayfield Superfly. Superfly yeah. I have all those albums you named. What what yeah. I I'm curious, and I feel I don't want to put you on the spot, but Greg and Anthony picked at twelve albums between them just now, seven and five, I think. And you got one. What was your was it currency? No, there was no currency on the list. See, <laughs> l- let me let me break this down for you. I'll just let me just make it hit. I, I'm I'm not a mainstream music guy. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm just not. So you would like you you, you heard what I said. Greg yeah. gave you the the political answer with Jay Z. That's his answer. We'll let it be as that. And I, but I, you saw who I gave you as my number one. So my my taste is different. What yeah. I find and adamantly love. Anthony's gonna bring you some stuff from um yesteryear. And yep. that's that's where he goes. And yeah. I love it. It, it it's it, he's him to a T and it makes me laugh when he brings it up sometimes. Cause it's just like, yeah, yeah, that's that motherfucker Anthony. Yep. And but me, it's yeah, it's 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 the OG, the the uh, the, in, the 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 under the fingernail. Yeah. That stuff you gotta look, look, look down the street, but then you look down the corner in that dark alley. What's around there? What's behind the trash can? What's up with that? Yeah. This, that's that's what resides for me. Like I was fucking with Kid Cudi before Kid Cudi was Kid Cudi. I, I hate being mm. that guy. I, I just was, but yeah. anywho, you know <laughs> what I mean. Like I was the guy fucking with Kid Cudi, and people was looking at me weird. They used to look at me. They used to look at me weird when I said I like Kid Cudi. Man, day and night it was that hit, and then it took like two years. Then all of a sudden they're like, man, I ain't doing the uh, uh the we're remix, the techno remix, and oh, oh, so now y'all figured it out, huh? Yeah, hey, well, can I'm we right can we listen to Kid See Ghosts? Can we still listen to that? Uh, yeah, I think so. Whatever you I want mean, to listen you know, to, man. I know, I know, but Kanye and all that—that that is that album. I wish I had that more space because I would do the dance move Kanye was doing so on good. stage. I'm giving Kanye a album. good break in the playlist for sure, but uh, you know, that record with Kid Cudi is so good. We were on yeah. vacation a long time ago. I'm not trying to jump behind you in front of you. But it was probably like 2016, and we were in Paris, 
and you can't sleep because I don't know if you know this, but the entire continent of Europe rides on motor scooters all night. Yeah, uh, that's all they do. <laughs> that's all they do. And so we couldn't sleep, and so we turned on French MTV. And good news in France, they still play music videos on MTV. You'll be happy to know, Phil. Uh, and all of a sudden, who do I see on the screen but Kid Cudi and David Guetta? And they have a song called Memories. Uh, mm-hmm. If you haven't checked it out, I don't know if I'd call it a banger, but it's been on my Spotify most played for like seven years. It's incredible. Sure. That's dope. Okay, that's circle. what's up. That's what's up. Full circle on Kid Cudi. He is a talented person. And he's a very open, memories. accessible person. I mean, he's, he's a that's cool not, That's where the good stuff's at, though. Like, the underground, as you were saying, feel like, up until, that's- like, the tribe was underground to Midnight Marauders. I, no, that's what I'm saying though. But you see what I'm saying? That's why I picked the tribe album because that's yeah. like I looked through. There were some other albums I saw that I wanted to pick, but in the end, if there was a album I wanted to come on a show and speak to you guys and speak to people about how it impacted my life and how I really felt about it from a raw state, from from not just recent years to past years, when I was young, a boy, it's it's, it's tribe. It's meant it's either that or low end theory. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's tribe. So that's why I say that. And besides, you know, with the underground, come on, my first favorite artist was Cool Kids, man. What y'all know about yeah. Cool Kids, man? I, man, I would have cool loved to talk to about Straight Outta Compton just because the timing of that album and that oh, specific sure. state of what was happening yeah. in L.A. Perfect and time. Compton, it reverberates almost to some of the similar things that we saw here, mm-hmm. dealing with, like, the George Floyd murder and all that yeah. sort of stuff. And it... Yeah. it there's some parallels between the specific time frame that they were dealing with. Even what you were saying earlier, like when you play that, you can hear the time. Yeah. Them dudes angry. Mm. They was upset. <laughs> <laughs> there's, and you know, in, 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 uh, you know, love and respect to Phil, there is another podcast somewhere to be made that doesn't, talk and I, I wouldn't say our list is entirely mainstream the, the list we oh, not at all. a lot of times we work from is the rolling stone top 500 albums record list there's several other lists you can pick from and that, that list was, is amazing though and it's been redone several times to be more inclusive and things like that but there is to that point you know i've said on the show before i was a punk hardcore kid and an indie hip-hop kid for a long time where i wouldn't listen to anything mainstream one of my favorite bands of all time is the rolling stones now because i was like i listened i'm like I kind of get them now. Uh, but there's a podcast to be made where we talk only about shit you probably never have heard of. And that <laughs> no, right. is that's a good a idea. Yeah, that's, that's a working shit title. You probably have never Listen, heard of. That's a working title right there. I tell people I love Fela Kute, Fela Kute Ransom. They're like, who the hell is that? You know, or get it or, out, or, cough. <laughs> yeah. Or you tell them, or you tell them you like showbiz and AG. Like, who is that? You know what I'm right. saying? So it's like I think the it's for all five of us, there's a love for stuff that's not pop, that's not mainstream, but there's also the recognition and appreciation for the mainstream. Yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah. well, a lot of stuff turns into, like like we're saying, Midnight Marauders, Tribe Called Quest is inherently underground. However, yeah. when you got something that's so amazing, look, look at Midnight Marauders, look at it, it's timeless. It's going to break through. It becomes mainstream because people figure it out. And because it's timeless, you have all the time for people to come to, you know, to realization. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's yeah. it's like there's there and there were several albums on there like like yeah y'all had Tame Impala uh 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 currents on there that's yeah. them boys, that one's up there for that, me that man too. went that's off a good album. yeah <laughs> which one Tame Tame was still blasting that oh yeah goodness yeah, Tame, yeah. yeah. it's 
And that's that's what I, I mean. We've talked uh, self self congratulating, self aggrandizing. I think is a phrase about our show and our concept of just picking stuff and letting people tell you what to listen to, and then giving the listen and playing through it and digging deeper. I was familiar with Tribe. I listened to uh, more of Low End Theory probably than this one. And this gave me an opportunity to go back through beyond. I, I was familiar with the war tour. I was familiar with, uh, oh my God, and really listen to it and see that it is that as Ben put it. What did he call it? No. Consistent. Bill called it a cookie. Ben called it consistent. Tootsie Pop. A Tootsie wow. Pop. I mean, it's, it is it is that. And that I, one of my marks for a, a record that I am going to wear out and I am going to want to war or uh, own is how often can I let it play through? The last time on the show we did that was Things Fall Apart by The Roots, which our good friend Laser Beak, who also provided the beats for this show, uh, he picked that record. And that was my answer on that is that's a record I let play. You know, I'll be cleaning the kitchen up or doing something in the yard and I'll have it playing. I'm like, oh, we're back to number one again. Yeah, that's a that's a lie. That's a test for me. And this is a record, this Tribe Called Quest uh, Midnight Marauders record that I can let play over and over again. So our patented not totally not patented uh record rating system bury it borrow it buy it or buy it again i'm i'm firmly a buy it again i think this is an album that when you own it you will play it enough that you're going to want it in a number of different mediums but i'm curious phil anthony greg ben where do you guys at jump in let me know bury it borrow it buy it or buy it again buy it again man this is the type of album where if it got damaged or lost or whatever i'm buying another one I'm, they yeah. might get a couple hundred dollars out of me by the end of it because um it's a you nowadays you can have things digitally so you know it's fine um but it's nice to have physical copies of things as well and this would be an album for me where it's like it's a must have in your musical collection you yeah know? so this is my third album B <laughs> my third <laughs> album you got the rare one too you they make it five hundred thousand dollar videos. Yeah, I'm living in my mom's basement. This is my is that, third album. Yo, is that a repress? This one is a repress. I okay. had an original back in the day. Yeah, because yeah. it came in black, red, and green. Mm-hmm. But that black one, I thought the yeah, black ones were hard to get. Yeah, this is a replay, but yeah, yeah, third one. So Ben, is that our first buy it again? Again, Ooh. I think that's our first buy it again. Again, <laughs> that's, that's a, the proof in the pudding right there. That's a six yeah. star. <laughs> Bill, you held up a hand before. What's oh yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's it's sound only. Right, right. Um, I'm that's that's a four. That's a buy it again, man. I got yeah. the CD, but that CD getting a little. Um, yeah. I need to get a record. This is the type of shit where you, as you elevate and you get older, like as when I when I get bigger bags, I'm gonna buy like, I'm not gonna just buy the record. I'm gonna see if I can get an autographed record. If this is the type of thing where you collect, you get one to play, you get one a nice what? thing like. You know what? I want an autograph version of this. One to rock and one to stock. Yeah. 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 Real talk. (laughs) Elevates with your status. (laughs) Oh, I love that. Ben, where do you land on this one? Yeah, for me, for me, this is about as solid a bite as 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 I can get. And I already own the low end theory, which I'm I'm gonna say it gets gets a slight nod for me. I, I like kind of the grittiness and the rawness of low end theory. But both both of those albums, both Low End Theory and Midnight Marauders, are just fantastic albums. I, I definitely need to own them, have them in the catalog, and uh, you know, 
Joe, to your point, man, this is one you can take and just put on a consistent vibe, let it play, flip it over, let it play, and uh, you get a great experience out of it. So um, it's, a, it's a definite buy for me. Oof, that's a that's a saw. I mean, that, and and that's what we hope you take from it. You got five people ranting and raving about a record that you may or may not be familiar with, and hopefully you listen and you say, you know what, I'm gonna go check that out. I'm gonna listen to it because this album, Tribe Called Quest, Midnight Marauders, is definitely that record. It's gonna it's gonna do good things for your ears. Um, speaking of things that will do good things for your ears. Check out our good friends at the Black Brewers podcast. This is I like I said, there's a lot of things that got us through the pandemic, but you know, being able to find outlets and people who are working in different areas, different spaces, doing things, talking about things that we love, whether it be beer or music or culture or art, being happy, being joyful out in public. Like I said, listening to those uh on-scene podcasts, I'm like, oh, I can hear people talking to each other. I could people, hear people selling each other beer. That is good for your soul. And I, I definitely uh, hope you will check these guys out. Uh, Anthony, Greg, Phil, I don't know who wants this one, but where where can our listeners check out what you guys are doing? You can check us out on Instagram, Black Brewers Podcast. Uh, Twitter, Black Brewers Pod. Facebook, Black Brewers Podcast. And YouTube, and Spotify, Black Brewers Podcast. Oh, please, please, please do. Uh, like I said, these <laughs> there's so much good in the world. These guys are, are helping to put it out there, too. Um, I think that's it here on the Real Wolf Record Club. Reminder to check us out, realwolfrecordclub.com on Instagram at realwolfrecordclub. Find out all the information about our episodes, guests, playlists. Uh, there may even be some ways to do good, uh, contribute and support our guests and different things there too. So um, check us out, dig into this music, dig into whatever whatever music it is you're listening to and think about it and share it with a friend. Enjoy good things. This is The Real Wolf Record Club. Hey. has been the Real Wolf Record Club podcast, a production of Real Wolf Productions, LLC, a limited liability company. This show is produced by Ben Head and hosted by Joe Vantomi with musical credits to the incomparable Laserbeak. Follow us and join the club on Instagram at Real Wolf Record Club or on Twitter at Real Wolf RC. Check out our website at realwolfrecordclub.com to find all our episodes, guest information, playlists, and merch created by Ward Sutton.